0: Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education and director of Go Teach Global. My question today, Jim, is. What subject did Jesus talk about more than
1: heaven? Well, let me suggest that subject was money, or what we might call materialism. But first, let me tell a story. Some years back, my wife Rita, who is a registered nurse, spent three months at a rural clinic some six hours outside of Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. In those days, this little clinic was the primary source of help for some 50,000 people. Most were rural farmers with limited incomes. I was staying in Addis on another assignment at the same time. One day I arranged a six-hour bus ride to visit Rita. A friend hired a trusted 16-year-old boy to go with me as my guide, interpreter, and guardian angel. Let's call him Danny. Danny and I arrived at a prearranged meeting place on a hot afternoon after a long, bumpy, crowded bus ride. No one was there to meet us. No worries. I bought two ice-cold cola drinks, and we sat in the shade by the road. Danny looked at my shoes and said, Jim, you are a rich man. Why do you think that, I asked. Look at your shoes. They are almost brand new. You are a rich man. Ethiopians love to run, and in their culture, the quality of the footwear was a status symbol. Just then, I looked out to the road And three men were walking by carrying heavy loads of bricks on their backs and walking barefoot on the dirt road. Danny, you are a rich man, I said with a smile. How can you say that, Danny asked. Well, here you sit in the cool shade at three o'clock on a hot afternoon drinking a Coke. While these guys, pointing to the three workers, are sweating in the heat without shoes, and Danny, you have shoes. In their eyes, you are a rich man. I never thought about it that way before, Danny admitted. This whole conversation with Danny caused me to think about materialism and how we view money and possessions, which is what Jesus talked about more than heaven. On a visit to the Philippines, I was sitting in a coffee shop with friends, and one worked with the World Bank, so I took a small coffee stick And I said, can I test my view of materialism with you? And they agreed. I said, let this little coffee stick represent all the people on Earth, approximately 8 billion people. I took the stick and broke it into two equal pieces. I said, each piece represents half the world's population. Worldwide, one half earns less than $500 a year as total family income little over a dollar a day. I set that piece to the side, and I took the second half. I then snapped off the top 10% of that stick. And I said, let's say that 40% represents all the people on earth who earn between $500 a year and $5,000 a year, a little over $10 a day. Then I took that tiny piece, the 10%, and said this piece is too small to break off the tip, but here's what it represents. 9% of the people on Earth have a household income between $5,000 and $50,000 a year. The remaining 1% has a net worth over $500,000. At this point, It is not income that's being considered, but net worth. My World Bank friend smiled and said, well, that's a reasonable estimate. So if I could go back to my friend Danny in Ethiopia, here's how I would explain my coffee stick view of materialism. Each of us is somewhere on the coffee stick. There is only one person who is the wealthiest man on earth, and his name changes each year depending on his investments and the economy and there is only one person who is the poorest man on earth. We do not know his name or where this person lives, but some countries in Africa could qualify. Each person listening to this radio program are on this coffee stick somewhere between the poorest man and the richest man on earth. From wherever we are, there are now people above us financially who have more and below us economically who have less. How we view these people is a matter of attitude. And that attitude can be either positive or negative.
0: And as we let that idea sink in, Jim, let me remind our listeners that this is Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. At the end of the program, we'll share how and where you can ask your pressing questions to Dr. Jim, and I'll ask one right now. Jim, what are the positive and negative responses in our
1: attitudes? The positive response to those who have less than we do is to show compassion. How can I help is the question we ask when we meet someone who has less than we do. We may even gather like-minded friends around us to assist in meeting this need. Individual men responding to a specific person's need established many charitable organizations and humanitarian efforts. But the negative response to those below us is to ignore them. The opposite of love is not always to hate. Often it means to ignore James wrote in the Bible, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a nice day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? John
0: the Apostle said, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Here's an example from Egypt. The small stuffy room in an Egyptian village was filled with a crowd of smiling faces. The ages of the children ranged from 8 to 11 years, and they were seemingly oblivious to their own poverty. To be a Christian child in Egypt is not an easy life. The excitement, though, that filled the air overwhelmed any feeling of self-pity and despair that might have existed. With a large maize bag, Each of the young boys excitedly awaited their orders. The leader began explaining, It's Saturday night, and the children will once again invade our little village. They will go to every house on the street. They will ask the inhabitants whether they have enough bread to eat or not. If there's more than enough bread in the house, they will ask the families to place any extra bread in the bag for those who do not have enough. The children will continue until all the bags are filled to the top. They will then go back to all the homes where there was not enough bread and distribute so that every family in our village will have enough bread to eat for the next week. They do not have the means to provide it themselves, but regardless of their own needs, they have become instruments of love to eradicate hunger in our village.
1: We need to look at those who have more than we do as well. The positive response to those who have more is to rejoice with them. We can try to learn from their words, their writings, or their lifestyle how to apply skills these people have acquired. The negative response is envy and jealousy, even to the point of wanting to take it away from them by stealing. And who of us have never envied? Many of my graduate school faculty members were Marxists who quite openly expressed disdain for free enterprise capitalism and those with wealth. The first and primary tenet of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto is the abolition of all private property, as taught during the 70-year reign of the communists over the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Critics of this theory tell a story that sums up this theory with a wee bit of dark humor. A farmer finds a bottle in his field, rubs it, and a genie appears. And okay, the genie says, you have one request. Would you like a car or a new house? Name it. The farmer thinks for a minute. Come on, the genie says. Come on, I don't have all day. Ask me for what you want. Okay, the farmer begins. My neighbor has a goat. Great, said the genie. Do you want a goat? No. No. Okay, okay, do you want a herd of goats? No. Well, tell me exactly what you want me to do. The farmer replies, kill his goat. That is the simplest way to describe what happens when we have a negative envy towards those who have more. We want to take away what they have so we will be equal. We will both have nothing. It may sound like a joke, but many people in North America and other countries think they are poor But here's the reality check. If you get off a plane in another country and you're wearing a pair of eyeglasses that is worth $500, you are likely in the minds of the poor people in that country already in the upper half of the world's population. If you pull out your phone or computer to confirm your return flight home, you have just identified with the upper 10% because you got to where they are. The location of the world's rich may shift at times. And some men listening to this program today are in the top 1%. Some are in the bottom 50%. Materialism is not related to how much we have or don't have. Materialism is an attitude of the heart towards those who have more or to those who have less. In essence, materialism says money, property, possessions, physical comforts, as well as worldly fame and honor are the essential things in life. Materialism is the subtlest trap of Satan. We can have all the Christian externals and yet be complete materialists. How we respond to those who have less and to those who have more will determine how well we are conforming to the image of Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks, Jim. There you have it for today, men. We become alive when we recognize we cannot serve God and money. We become a slave to the one we obey. Let's choose together to serve God. These programs are based on the book by Dr. Jim titled Men Alive, Conforming to the Image of Jesus Christ. This book, written by Dr. Jim Cunningham, is available on Amazon.com and at GoTeachGlobal.com. For a printed copy of this program's teaching, or with any questions you may have, email Dr. Jim at MenAliveUntoGod.com at gmail.com Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. For more information, go to our website at www.goteachglobal.com Until next time, I'm Paul S. on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham encouraging you to be Men Alive conform to the image of Jesus Christ.